What up, what up, everybody? This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast. One day later than usual, but uh, if you follow us on Twitter at Fight Game Media, you saw the tweet. We decided to, uh, because we're recording um, and reviewing two wrestling shows, being the 1993 version of King of the Ring and the Raw thereafter, we needed an extra day just to make sure we had uh, we, we got both through both shows. So thanks for your patience. But uh, as usual, John LaRocca is with me. What's going on, man? Not much, man. How's, how you been? Good. Very good. Very busy. I am heading to Mexico uh, Saturday morning. So we are not going to have a show next week because I will be pretty much off the grid. I think like maybe I'll be I'll have access to the internet for just small bits and period of time but basically my oldest um, he's been going ever since he was like a, I think in, in like the ninth grade he's been going to Mexico with uh, w- with his schoolmates and uh, with a church that is closely aligned to where he went to school and uh, they would go to Mexico and they would basically spend the entire week with an orphanage and that orphanage uh they would host you know the people who were there and basically the 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 thing is to kind of entertain the kids um as well as create something for them that they could use and you know it's 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 you know it's a it's a church related gig so obviously i'm sure some of the some of it is to create you know do it in the name of of uh, christianity and and such but um i've never gone and i wanted to go last year but i couldn't go last year so i'm going this year both kids are going and uh it's it's going to be very interesting because i'm a very connected person to the (laughs) to the online world so not you know not being around my phone a lot and not really knowing what's going on in all of the the things that we cover is going to be a, a little interesting, um, and then the 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 week that I come back. So I think that will be the day before the Fourth of July, um, is when we will come back and do our show. So yeah, so you know we'll be a week out. We'll we'll probably have to do a little bit of catching up when it comes to keeping up with our 1993 raw reviews because we kind of like to be aligned with um, with what's going on in. Uh, in, in you know from a time frame perspective so we may have to like do two raws in one show or something at some point just to make sure that we're all caught up but yeah so that's kind of the, that's kind of story that's where we're going um and and uh we have a lot to talk about today specifically or tonight because so much is going on including the AEW one day sellout of all out which is uh, at the end of August in uh, Chicago and I wasn't surprised that they sold out. I was just surprised at how many people they had waiting in the queue to buy tickets. Like it was ridiculous. Yeah, it's crazy. It's like they're, you know, they're expecting. I expect them to sell out pretty fast. I mean, that that didn't shock me at all. But yeah, the, the amount of people waiting to buy tickets and they're kind of maybe a lot of people thought maybe they undershot a little bit they could have booked a bigger place but um but yeah it's it's great there the momentum is still going and and continuing and uh it's good for them and you know i think that i definitely expect uh week one of the tv to have a really damn good rating and but we'll see how much they can keep that up the i think the thing that surprised a lot of people is that 
you know, they still don't have TV, so they're doing this based off of two shows plus word of mouth plus the internet um, plus whatever they gained from Kenny Omega last year having such a great year in New Japan the Bucks and Cody as well and it, it really is amazing because we've always been taught that you need TV and these guys have proven at least to some extent that they don't necessarily need TV. Now, what could they do with TV when it comes to this product? Because the product is hot. There, There is a fan base that is willing to travel to go see them. And I think from a pay-per-view perspective, uh, I was looking at numbers for ROH and, and Impact from last week's Observer, and those shows are only doing like 3,000 and 2,000 buys. Now, for uh, for ROH, they do have Honor Club. So, you know, that probably takes a large chunk out of that. So let's say that, you know, ROH is doing like 8 to 10. Still, AEW did like 100,000 buys when you count up, you know, the UK streaming and all that stuff. Like, you know, that that is a big jump and even more than uh, what ECW did in the in the 90s so it's it's pretty amazing just to see what they've been able to do and it's not really logical which is kind of the problem especially with the naysayers who you know who are like ah you know whatever this is not that like it's because it's because you can't explain it and and yeah i'm just so i'm just so impressed and so surprised and just really uh, i mean the thing about me is i just want to learn you know from what they're doing and kind of it's it's almost unprecedented so it's almost like history is sort of being made now you know they have a long way to go but i've never seen anything like this so i'm just sort of like eating up everything that that i get to 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 analyze about them because it's so crazy yeah it's, it's a whole new whole new world and really you know with the as social media continued to grow and like before, you know, it was like social media was important, but it wasn't the be all end all when it came to drawing. But now these guys have figured a way to make it draw for them. And I, I think it's going to be, you know, a lot of people should like, just like you said, should learn from this. And I think other companies will, and we'll see how, how they do, but you know, they got, cause like I said, they got a bunch of smart guys in that company, running that company and I'm so happy for them, and I'm looking for that show. I'm looking for all their shows um, coming up. It's a lot of, a lot of fun matches, and and I just want to see them continue their momentum. Because like I said, like I said every week, this is just good for the wrestling business. And it sucks that they had their naysayers, but they're always going to be in, in with everything, right? They're always that that Debbie Downer kind of person, but like they shouldn't be because they love the wrestling business. You know, like like they say they do. You want a company like this to succeed. You want to, you know, get that sport up again and popular again because, you know, it's been down. And and I'm still hoping that, you know, Vince will step up his game on the main roster stuff. I think NXT is doing a really good job, you know, start with their stuff and, and, and putting on some good shows. But I want to see the main roster start start doing that and, and you know, see them as competition and get that fire under Vince's belly again, you know? Absolutely. And I think that's what I'm waiting for, too. The only thing that, that is weird about this is Vince is going to be knee-deep in the XFL really soon. 
And how does he split his time there? Does that mean Triple H gets a little bit more run with the main product? Does that mean Vince is going to get even less sleep than he does today? Is he going to run himself, you know, run himself crazy to where, you know, could even get worse? Like those answers are out there, too. and And this is that's part of it, right, is you have this company that is doing things that are are hard to explain and we're we're all learning from them but what does WWE do because historically you know it's never been really a two market thing there's always been one dominant brand and right now that dominant brand is still WWE no matter what anyone says and will AEW be competition and if so history says that WWE will step their game up because they are the dominant brand and you don't you know you don't really have that you know WCW versus WWE like in the in the late 90s like that doesn't really happen for very long so it's going to be it's going to be so so much uh, so much fun to like watch the, the the battle but the piece that I'm so excited about is just studying it and learning from it because you know the fact that the, that these guys had in excess of you know a hundred and over a hundred thousand tickets possible that they could have sold for this show. If we're looking at this math correctly, is just unbelievable. Like, I, I, where do these people come from? Like, they're not watching the same stuff that we're watching. So, like, where do they come from? Where they get this money from? <laughs> travel to all these wrestling shows. I mean, God, a lot of rich people that come to shows. I wonder why they're buying cardboard belts at independent wrestling shows (laughs) yeah shout out to uh double d dave dutra and aj kirsch they're they're working that gimmick huh oh i love it i love it i know dave thought i was giving shit when i was in our our dm and i was like still milking this but you know i'm just 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 pulling his leg and i think it's great you know that's what wrestling is all about you know if you got something that's kind of hot and some interest you know just work that thing to <laughs> no one wants it anymore and then uh and i hope it works out for aj and dave and they where they could take this yolo former yolo tag team champions gimmick that that whole thing is um it was so good like i didn't even watch smackdown because i'm just on my wwe hiatus right now but um uh the just seeing them actually you know the really where i see it is from dutra because i follow his facebook i follow his twitter i follow all of his pages and and so he's he's been really good about tweeting stuff and 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 so it's just so fun because you know no matter if they anything comes out of this more than what has it's it's just fun seeing those guys you know be able to do something with it like for dave like you know dave's dave's been he's been at this for for so long and it's just great to see him just even you know even if this doesn't turn into anything other than what it is it's great to see him have so much joy from from you know from from this little creative thing and and, you know the other thing about this is you know i don't want to give out any of dutra's secrets but you know he's always ready for when wwe comes to his town because he knows that there's a possibility that they're going to call him because they like him to do work and so when they come to town he's always in his best shape just because he knows like he's ready for it and like he's the you know he's the utmost professional when it comes to stuff like this yeah i mean that's what you you know any young guy out there listening to the show 
when WWE does come to your town, you have all your stuff in, you have all your medicals done. Like, you should be prepared for that. You should look at the schedule when they're going to arrive into your town and be prepared because, you know, you could be an extra if they call on you, if you fill out all the forms and all that kind of stuff and request it. And, you know, so, you know they, they do various different ways to contact talent. So, I mean, find find one of those ways and, and when, it, and when it, it, they come into your town, be prepared. Don't try to get everything done that week. You should have got stuff done a month or two before that. Absolutely. So there's a longer conversation that I want to have about this AEW audience, because the question that I pose to you is where are they coming from? Like, what other wrestling are they watching? They don't seem to be uh, there's, you know, there's going to be some crossover with WWE, obviously. But, um, you know, I, I would love to look into that a little bit more. But we're, we're not going to do that t- tonight because we have so much stuff to get into, um, including the uh, the G1 the uh, the blocks uh, are out, and I just want to go through both blocks, announce the you know just mention the guys, and get your feel on you know the top two coming out of each block. So block A is Okada, Zack Saber Jr., Tanahashi, Kotobushi, Evil Sonata, Bad Luck Fale. Lance Archer, Will Ospreay, and Kenta. And this is the same block that is uh, the the show, this uh, not this weekend, but next weekend in Dallas, the opening of G1. That is the block that will be, uh, that will be wrestling. And I think, like, this is like, <laughs> this is like a ridiculous, ridiculous, ridiculous block. Like, this is a stacked as all hell block. And, like, you look at someone like, like Osprey, who just, you know, he's like, you know, we, we kind of talked about it. Like, he may be the next thing, right? He may be the next guy. And he's not even, I wouldn't even consider him a top four favorite in this block. That's how stacked it is. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't think he's uh, the favorite. I still think Kota Bushi's definitely winning block A. Um, I just think that's that's definitely going to happen. Um I think a finals between them would be good, you know, or, or you know, that could be good. Um, of course, but, you, you but you're gonna have you're gonna have Okada not even go to the finals in his own block. Uh, you could do that. I mean, something can happen. You got to build up something. Um, I mean, uh, he's gonna lose a few times, or if hopefully not, hopefully just once to set up like the October Challenger. I mean, that always kind of happens every year. So um, I wonder who that would be, but. Um, but yeah, I see Ibushi taking this block for sure, and it could be Okada, and you could do that, and you could have him against Okada and beat Okada, and then set up something to where he gets that title shot in October, and he gets a title shot in October. But then, but then, um, you know, Naito beats him in uh, the G1 and goes on and wrestles Okada at the at the Dome show, which. I don't know. That's, 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 there's a lot. There's a lot of cool scenarios going on in this tournament. <laughs> so, I think, um, I think there's gonna be. I, I think, I think the A block is 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 gonna probably have like the the most best matches. Um, but what do you think about a guy like Kenta, who's coming out of WWE? He's been hurt. 
He tried to change his style. It didn't work out for him. And now he's back. Like, it's almost like the, the guy is coming into uh, a tournament to prove himself, but also, like, could we give the guy like a, a, a few warm-up shots before we throw him into like the craziest tournament of all time? Well, he's ready for it though. He wants to do it. I, I worry though about his, you know, you know, this is a tough tournament. I know they have a little more days off than usual than before, which is great. But like, uh, he's very, very injury prone, right? So I'm just a little nervous about that. But I think he's gonna have some. I think the opening night is it's him and Bushi, right? Are they opening? I think this first night or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So that is going to be freaking crazy. I mean, uh, that Okada Tanahashi's the main event. I'm assuming uh, no, I know. first and night. I, and you, know, you know me. That's my, my one of my favorite matches of all time is those two when they hook up. So, but I just think God, I'm just like I'm like excited about a Bushi and Kenta. But like very nervous about it at the same time. Yeah, I just think. I mean, especially after, gosh, especially after that match with Naito and Ibushi recently. I don't know. It's. Uh, I hope Kenta has a great tournament because I always liked Kenta. You know, definitely followed his career through Noah, and I was definitely rooting for him in, in the WWE. It just didn't work out for him, and um, he had some good matches, but you know, never really st- stood out. So, I hope he gets that resurgence being back in Japan and being in New Japan and uh, I hope he has a good term I think you have a they'll keep him strong he's not going to win it of course but they'll definitely keep him strong he'll have some key key wins and maybe he might be the guy that beats Okada because that's a unique match in October right mm-hmm. so that'd be that'd be something cool too I mean that's, that's what's so cool about this block A is all this great stuff could just come out of it it's amazing Okay, so the B block is, like you said, Naito, Ishii, Juice, uh, Yano, Goto, Jay White, Jeff Cobb, uh, Shingo Takagi, Taichi, John Moxley. And the one thing we didn't mention is um, uh, who is uh, Zack Sabre Jr. is having a match with somebody where his shot is yep. on the line. Who's he? Who's Yoshihashi. He? Yeah, Yoshihashi. That's who it was. I, I mean, I don't, I don't. But that was kind of weird, though. Like, like I was reading the Observer uh, website today, and uh, and it was weird that I don't know if it's a typo or this is really the stipulation. But you know, Saber is defending his British Championship against Yoshihashi, and also if Yoshihashi beats Saber, not only does he win the championship, but he also gets Saber's spot in the tournament. Yeah. But 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 also, but I said like Taguchi would get the spot in the tournament if he won. So I don't know. Is that is that the case? Do you know? Yeah, or, I don't know. I don't know. I would. I mean, I, when I saw this match announced, I thought it was kind of interesting because there's a lot of blowback on on uh, Twitter. Actually, for I saw a lot of people were kind of defending like Yoshihashi should still be in the tournament, and and he's getting you know. And I wonder if like kind of New Japan took that and like had fun with it and spun with it. And I mean, unless this was the plan, you know, because we do know like a guy like Minoru Suzuki's not in it. And he's using it in storyline, being like upset about not being in the tournament, and they'll be held to pay. So we'll mm-hmm. see what happens there too, as well. So out of the B block, which uh, it, I mean, it's still going to be rock solid because Moxley's in it, and I think the reason why Moxley's one of the reasons why Moxley's in, in the B block is because uh, he's not going to be in Dallas wrestling at the uh, at the 
the uh, first G1 in, uh, in the U.S. <clears throat> and because of that, like there was, there's no reason to put him in the A block because he can't wrestle anyways because he is a U.S. only wrestler for AEW. Um, but Moxley's in it, Naito's in it, Jeff Cobb, like Jay White, a lot of the guys who are kind of like, I wouldn't, I mean, you know, obviously Naito is 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 at the top, Ishii's been around, but like Juice and Jay White, Jeff Cobb, they're kind of like, and Moxley, you know, they're kind of like the up and coming guys in a sense in New Japan, like they don't have their their footing completely as as like top top guys yet so I, that, that's what i think is really interesting because you're going to see whoever come out of this bracket if it is one of those guys they could really cement themselves as like a main eventer um and i think that would be really cool uh, based on who's coming out of that but outside of naito who is your next what's what's the the rest of the of the ladder for you um well i'm just excited for uh <laughs> First and foremost, I'm excited that Jeff is in the G1. I mean, I, <laughs> I kind of wanted to ask him and get the skinny before it, before it happened, you know, before he announced because kind of, you know, I, I'm like, you know what, I'm in like really big into like waiting for surprises, and I, I texted him right away and I said, Dude, I'm so glad I didn't ask you beforehand because it was nice to be surprised when I saw the bracket breakdown. Um, I do think it's going to be Naito White in the finals for sure for mm-hmm. the B block. I just they're the you know the guys are the top of New Japan right now. I think Jay White needs to be in that position. I, I just think that's what's going to happen. I think Naito beats him, and I, I think it's you know Ibushi Naito three as the finals of G one. That's gonna be crazy if that's the case. <laughs> and I'm like debating about who would win. Like you know, there's on one hand there's like. You know, like you have Ibushi as your this big, you know, you're, you sign him to this big deal, and and is this a crowning moment for him at the dome, or or do you finally, you know, put the belt on Naito after a long for a very long tease, and he's doing a storyline where he wants to be a double champion, but I kind of see that I think you because with the two dome shows, unless they I don't know, I don't know what they have planned, but like I would think they might headline with the Intercontinental Title one dome show. Like a big match, mm-hmm. Ibushi and uh, Ibushi and and you know Ornaido and 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 Osprey. So I, I don't know, but like you know, I was thinking like they had to split that up. I mean, I, but who knows they have planned? I mean, they they, they plan those. That Doom Dome show is just it's just wild to me. It's like wow, they must have something in the books that they think is going to be huge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, you know. Jericho coming out of the pay-per-view, it looked like he had opportunities with both Okada and Tanahashi still. So, you know, he's not in this tournament, obviously, but, um, you know, he, he will probably be involved in, in some way there as well. So, yeah, lots of, lots of stuff that they could do. So, uh, we've been heavy, heavy, heavy wrestling these last few weeks, but I did want to bring up the Tyson Fury fight because I know that you saw it. Um, it was very short, but it was uh, Fury against Schwartz. And what I was telling people, I was on um, Antonio the Promise Thomas's podcast. Uh, I left my wallet in uh, Greg Polanco. I think that's the name of the podcast. Um, and we he wanted to talk about uh, talk about Tyson Fury, and I told him I was like, look, you know, the the guy that he was fighting 
in in other eras they would have called the guy a tomato can, right? Like literally the guy's there because Tyson Fury is trying to or Bob Arum is trying to get Tyson Fury over to a US audience. And so you see Tyson Fury come out, he does the Apollo Creed, he's wearing the red, white, and blue, he comes out to live in America, and it's really there so that the US audience sees him as something bigger than they did prior which is very smart. And so you get Fury coming out. And the reason why you put him against a tomato can is because you want him to showcase all of his skill sets. And he was hitting this guy with hook after hook after hook. And then he switched southpaw in the second round. And he's just blasting him with uppercuts. And then he does the thing up against the ropes where he's doing his Muhammad Ali impersonation and it's just making Schwartz miss. And so you have like the perfect, perfect display for Tyson Fury to, you know, this is the, the most, um, probably the most that, that, that a U.S. audience has seen him. The Deontay Wilder fight from uh, earlier in the year was, uh, was there as well, but they didn't know him coming into that fight. And now... With that fight and this fight, a lot of fans who wouldn't have known him prior do know him now. So I know that uh, that you were able to watch it. So I kind of just wanted your take on the entire exhibition. Now, it wasn't an exhibition, but it kind of felt that way. It felt like that, but I watched it live and I tuned in right, just right when that last fight, the, the fight before was just ending. And I loved it, man. I loved his promo and his videos, his little sit-down interview he had before. Um, I got really into the character. Uh, it was a great, you know, squash match for him to showcase, like you said, his skills, what he can do. Uh, you know, I I wonder what it did on ESPN Plus. I mean, is it really reaching a, the, you know, a big a, a bigger audience other than the hardcores? I'm not I'm not sure about that. But like, to me, like who's a casual viewer of boxing now? I mean, I'm pumped for. Wilder and Fury too. I like. I can't. I don't wait for that fight. I mean, that's like, of you know, real combat sports. That's the fight I want to see the most right now. So, um, I thought it was fun. I was kind of hoping Sh- uh, Schwartz would like get one. You know what I mean? Like, I just wanted. To, I love underdog stories, and I know what he was there for. What he's there to do is get his ass kicked. But like, I'm like, man, it'd be just so cool if you just make it a little bit interesting, my friend. Just make it a little bit interesting. Just get one big punch in there, but. It wasn't, and he got his nose smashed, and it was over, and uh, felt bad for that guy. But Fury was, I mean, on point from the start. Even in this post-match interview, he was really good. And then, of course, you know, singing a song to his, his <laughs> wife. You know, so I think he made a lot of fans. Um, uh, did a Rich Cato fan. I mean, no one talked about this. Like, you know, people that, you know. Watch boxing or MMA, like no one, no one really talked about it the next day at my work or anything. So, I still think it's more, more of a hardcore. It was a hardcore thing. But, yeah, I wish it was on ESPN instead of ESPN Plus. I kind of felt like this, this, this could have been at least, you know, I know what, but you know, they're, they're, it's all about the, the network right now and their ESPN Plus, and they're trying to get more subscriptions. But like, but maybe it's like if you know he's, this is a fight that he's going to squash this dude. Like maybe you just like put this on for free, yeah, and get the fans, the cat fans, like, oh, dude, that guy was great. Let's see him again. Let's watch. I can't wait to the next fight. What's the next fight? Oh, you got to buy. You got to buy this subscription. You know, oh, wait, it's only five ninety nine or whatever it is. 
you know, they'll probably fork it up to see that fight. So I was at a restaurant that night. I didn't watch this live. I mean, I knew what it, what, what it was, so I, I wasn't really too worried about, about missing anything. But I watched uh, at the restaurant, at the restaurant bar, Michaela Mayer was fighting uh, against, I forget the woman who she fought. But I was just like randomly watching at, at the restaurant bar. And I, in the moment, you know, I, I just thought in the moment, like, it would be awesome if you could also watch the Fury fight at the bar because, you know, you just have people hanging out at the bar and then they would see this guy and he's dancing and he's got, you know, Apollo Creed shorts and stuff. And it'd be like really cool because the bar could play the stupid fight. But, you know, they put it on ESPN Plus. So when when that, when the Michaela Mayer fight was over, I, I forget what it went to, like soccer or something. And I was like, ah, <laughs> I don't want to watch soccer. But, but yeah, so uh, Bob Arum, after the fight, says that he thinks that Fury and Wilder are going to break the Pacquiao and Mayweather pay-per-view buy rate. <laughs> so, you know, that's, uh, that, that's promoter Bob. Promoter being a promoter. Yeah, that, that's, that's yeah, Bob. I, I think, uh, obviously he doesn't believe that, but what I think, I think, what I think that quote was, was I think he was hoping that quote would get picked up by all the media and just put it out there. Because if you put it out there, then people automatically think that it's important, right? Oh, like, this fight could do more than Mayweather-Pacquiao. And then all of a sudden, the people were like, huh? Like, what? What am I missing, right? So then they kind of think about it or, or, or try to pay attention to it. So I, I think it was pretty smart for Bob, but what's going to happen is when, you know, the fight does a million a million buys or whatever it does, you know, it, I think it could realistically get there. But when it doesn't do four... And they're going to go, oh, Bob, what did you think about, you know, you mentioned four. He's going to be like, ah, oh, like, you know, just a guess. Like, it was, it, it, you know, I, I was just talking that now. Whatever, you know, he says. So I but thought that talking, was funny. They're talking early 2020, correct? I think that they're mentioning that. Yeah, so I think we talked about Fury's this. Fury's fight one more time, right? So I think we talked about this after the Joshua fight. Fury and Wilder had already set up their fight for 2020. Wilder basically said, I have this fight with Luis Ortiz. I'm going to fight him. Then I'm going to fight Fury. And then Fury said, well, I got two fights so that, you know, uh, for that, uh, that, that, that I'll be ready for Wilder. Fury believes that he was not at his best against Wilder as great as he looked. He was like, look, I just came off of fighting you know, nobody's because I was just getting back in shape and I was just getting my life together. And now I feel great. And I'm going to, you know, he thinks he's going to, you know, whip Wilder, which, uh, you know, I guess he should because he knows, you know, he knows what he saw earlier this year. But it's it's an interesting fight. I mean, the thing about it is I don't think you're going to see the necessarily the fireworks that you would see in a Wilder Joshua fight because Fury Fury fights a much different style. But he fight, you know, it's it's the sweet science. It's you know Andre Ward, you know, sitting there laughing when when Fury's up against the ropes, like hands down, just moving head movement, and, and Schwartz can't touch him because Andre's just like that's boxing, like that's Andre, right? Andre was never a guy who was going to go out in there and slug. He was going to go in there and tactically win. So I'm not too sure how how interesting the fight's going to be, but. Uh, you know, you got Wilder's got a ton of power, uh, and Fury can uh, he can disable that because he's such a good boxer. And I I'm interested in seeing the fight. I just wonder, you know, when you get to four million, 
you you are going to disappoint a lot of people unless that thing ends in you know a knockout or is super exciting or whatever. So, uh, you know, I, I think I, I think it's going to be good though. And now you know with Joshua out of the picture, we can sort of focus on this, and then hopefully Joshua could get back into this the, the swing of things and get you know and get back into it because there could be more fights than just this one. There should be because. You know, it's kind of hot right now, so I think people are paying attention a little bit more. You know what, uh, what also stood out on this show that I was, you know, comparing to MMA, like you know, you know, with, you know, UFC, Big uh, Bellator, and of course boxing, they had that three man, and you know, booth to the side where they, you know, analyze and prep you for the fight and kind of go over, you know the pros and cons and, you know, this and that, right? Like, UFC has great analysts, you know, who's very technical, even Cormier, you know, they're, they're good. But, like, those Max Helm and the, and, the, and the rest, like, they really painted this picture, the story, the drama, right? Like, they're, they're just, the way they're describing stuff, it wasn't all technical. It was, like, they're, like, there's, like, just really good storytellers. And, like, I was getting into this fight, even though I know what it was, and now you know, because talking to you, and and I knew that he's probably going to destroy this guy. But like at the same time, like they did a really good job of make convince me, like man, I, I do want to see this fight. I, you know, I want to see what's going to happen here. I thought that was amazing. I thought those guys. I don't know who that guy is. That um, he's a reporter, but like he did this interview with Tony Fury. I don't know his name, but maybe our friend, uh, our friends can help me out. But like he just did a really good job of like painting like a story about mm-hmm. fury and and they, like talking about like he made his career by getting up you know that what you know from that wilder knockdown and i just thought and he was amazing at the andre ward like i'm sitting there i'm like god man i should really write these quotes down <laughs> because like he said some great stuff that i think like a lot of these young pro wrestlers should use in yeah. their promos yeah. like i mean the way he i mean it, it's amazing stuff i i, I really I had a great time. I wish I watched the whole show. I just couldn't, you know, it's just crazy. You know, me with the kids and everything. And, you know, but I was able to, like, hey, everyone's asleep. All right. Right before that fight started the main event. And yeah. It was a joy to watch. I can't wait to watch the next one. I, we mentioned the, the new athletic vertical with boxing last week. And I've been reading a lot of that stuff because, you know, Tyson Fury is so easy to write about for these guys. And Fury's entire shtick is so easy to identify with because he doesn't tout himself as this perfect person he touts himself as a flawed individual who has had to come back from a lot of things that you know that that plagued him from his career i mean even to the marriage right he's i mean he he's he had a quote saying that you know, I, I did some things in my marriage that that probably wasn't for the best. But you know, my wife is such a rock, and you know, they had two kids, and then he got through the whole you know his situation with the drugs and the alcohol, and they've had like three kids, like bang, 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 like in a row, and so he's got his family of seven now, um, wow. and so you know, he's he's he seems to be a changed man, and. Hopefully he is, because a lot of times what happens is, is these guys say that they're a changed man, you know, or a changed person, and and then you realize that a lot of that was talk. So hopefully with him, because if he stays on the straight and narrow, he's going to make a lot of money, and he's going to, you know, he's got at least two or three big fights, I think, 
that are that that can be on the horizon if they if they play their cards right. And it, it, it's going to be fun because you know we'll, we'll, there'll, there'll be events and we'll, and we'll be able to, to check them out. So, um, let's get to the King of the Ring and the Raw stuff. I don't I don't really want to waste any time because I know that you know this is going to be a, a lot of the show. And uh, and you know I, I think I just want to say from the get like 1993 King of the Ring. That was such a fun show. I had such a great time watching it. And when I compared it to, and you know, I'll be out of town this weekend, so I wouldn't be able to watch Stomping Ground. But I, when I, you know, as we're watching these Raw shows, I'm just like, man, I can't wait until we get to King of the Ring. And I would never say that about something like Stomping Grounds for WWE. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely a lot of fun rewatching this pay per view. Um, the crowd was great. Every match felt there's like this really great energy that you just don't get in these pay per views anymore. At least on WWE side, like it's just so blah right now. And like even in 1993, when business wasn't the best, like that crowd, man, Dayton, Ohio was like rumbling. And I, like, like I thought the production was really good. I thought the lighting of the ring was just beautiful. Uh, it just looks I mean, there was like you know you know WWE at this time you know just started introducing the video screen right they're doing more of that kind of stuff but like it just felt like a big event and they, they no matter how their business was it was you know definitely down at the time like they did a great job their production always made it feel like you know this is a big event and there's a huge crowd here and and they they, they definitely filmed it correctly and and, and I, I loved it the one problem i have with this show is the announcing i thought <laughs> savage was awful what was he on i don't <laughs> no. holy cow he was so bad like in the in, in the first match which is brett and razor He's just saying one word adjectives like all over the place. And and like their chemistry was off. Like you could tell Ross was you know, he 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 had the he had the uh that you know, this is the same the same crew as as did WrestleMania and that's Ross's first show. But this show for whatever reason, I don't know if like maybe maybe Heenan and he I don't know if they were frustrated with each other, but Bobby for the first half of this show, I thought it was like the worst Bobby I'd ever heard. But by the end of the show, he, he got better, a lot better. But yeah, JR, he seemed to be a little flustered. And, you know, Heenan is kind of, you know, he's kind of pissing on everything that Ross is saying, which kind of is like Ross is talking about, you know, this guy went to this school and Heenan's like, who gives a shit? Yeah, like, yeah, nobody yeah. cares. I'm like, oh, okay. It could have been Vince, though, saying that yeah, too. Yeah, 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 totally. But, uh, but yeah, I thought, I thought, I thought Ross was honestly like a rock in there, like you know, like he was doing his best. Especially Savage, just like he would repeat himself, like he'd say a line he thought it was good, so he'd say it like two times, you know, like. <laughs> and I'm like Savage, leave it alone. No one gives a shit about that line, you know. Yep. And, yep. and you know, in, at the end too, like jumping in the ring, that was funky. I think I don't know. I think I think Savage was on one or something. I don't know. He was. He was just. He was just over the top well you know what I thought at the end when he jumped in the ring with Brett <clears throat> I thought it was a Hogan move I was like oh he's yeah. kind of trying to take a little bit for himself 
And I, yeah, I thought it was weird too. It didn't really make any sense considering he, he said he thought Mr. Perfect was going to win. <laughs> like, shit, man. Because, you know, Savage can still go at the time and, like, this tournament's pretty damn freaking good. Yeah. He's probably like, man, I wish I was in there putting on these great matches, you know? So, Brett and Razor's the first match, and it's an, it's an interesting pairing because Razor is coming off of the 1 2 3 kid loss, but he's still. You know he's he still hasn't re- you know he, he lost that one match against Brett at the Royal Rumble, but he's still pushed you know as a as a upper mid card guy or a top guy, and uh, I thought the finish saved him to where he didn't have to you know he'd have to tap out the sharpshooter. Uh, he he uh, I think what what was it um was it like a I forget I forget how how the finish was Brett did Brett come off the top or something or. It was like a roll through or something, the Razor's Edge maybe or something like that. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to remember. I do know the near fall before that and was freaking awesome. It was the backslide, fight for the backslide, but Brett moved, but, you know, is in the corner. He walked the corner, flipped over to the inside cradle, and it was such a great near fall. And, and it's so funny because I thought I was the one that, not that I came up with that spot, but like I remember like when I was booking APW in the Gym Wars days. Uh, there's a match between this young kid, Matt Carlos, and my friend JJ Perez, who's wrestling as Mr. Wrestling 04. And I was building up Matt Carlos as his young gun coming up, and JJ's the veteran, of course. And then I had this idea like, you know, you know Matt would be, you know, on fire and look like look like he's about to win it. He'd go for the back backside, you fight for it, but the Mr. Wrestling 4 flips over into a small package one two three and i remember jj's eyes got so wide he's like man that's so good you know <laughs> and i was like i'll pump you know i was like pumped i was like yeah i think that'll be a great finish and he did it and it was like freaking awesome and i saw this and i'm like oh shit maybe i saw this like some subconscious <laughs> <laughs> and you know but i just when i saw that his biggest smile on my face uh, but this match is good man this match is really good and, and brett and, and razor always had chemistry now i kept thinking like myself i was like man i kind of wish we saw like a longer program between these yeah. guys because they had such great matches and so so the finish is razor's getting them up for that fall away soup or that back suplex off the top rope and in midair brett oh yeah maneuvers it and, and and falls on top of him and he gets yeah. the win so uh, yeah, perfect, I, logical. Yeah, yeah it was it. really good. So uh, what was not really good was the next match between Mr. Perfect and oh. and, uh, and and Mr. Hughes. Yeah, this one was rough. Like, uh, is is uh, and this is coming like they're they're pushing Hughes as someone who had just like destroyed the Undertaker and Paul Bearer with the urn, and like like it, it's like it's almost like they're. Um, you know, Giant Gonzalez was kind of like the distraction for Hughes, which I thought was interesting because I didn't I didn't really remember this that that well, but Hughes is kind of you know that they're they're putting him uh, out there with with the Undertaker and he gets to lay out the Undertaker and then he's got this match with Mister Perfect and it just sucked. Yeah, they had a they had some issues. Um, I thought the beginning was fine. Like I thought, like you know. Curtis Hughes, Mr. Hughes was like really like want to show up, show off his athletic ability and, and, you know, doing that spot, hitting the ropes, leap frog, stuff like that. Um, he went a little, he got a little too excited and it went a little too fast. Um, there's a spot where 
I'm pretty sure it was supposed to be an arm drag or some sort, but it just didn't it kind of like collided and perfectly fell. He looked really frustrated. But yeah. And then the finish was kind of cheap. Like, you know, obviously they shot this angle with uh, Undertaker, Mr. Hughes on Superstars. And, you know, you don't want to pin Mr. Hughes, right? But you also have to have Mr. Perfect go on to the next round. And like the just like the urn was just like out of nowhere and just it just it was just silly. And then Hughes, of course, pro wrestling, stupid, selling it like, what do you mean I got disqualified? (laughs) Yeah, this is definitely one of the uh, the weaker matches of the tournament. But you know, there's some good stuff. But yeah, yeah, that perfect did did his best. So the Bammer goes up against Hacksaw Jim Duggan, and. For the most part, I thought it was okay. Like, Duggan is obviously... I mean, you mentioned you know, last week or the week before how, you know, Duggan just looks old now. and But, you know, they, they had to do the bear hug stuff. And, and you know, when the, the bear hug stuff in, in these kind of matches is, is, is a little bit of a lull. And then, you know, the finish is kind of goofy because Duggan goes for his, for his finish and Bam Bam moves out of the way. And Duggan has to, like, dive to, to headbutt the, the turnbuckle. To, and then Bam Bam hits hits the headbutt off the top row. But you take away those two things, and I thought the match was pretty fun, but it also shows the limitations of what Hacksaw can do at this point in his career. And by the way, like there's like four matches of bear hug in it, by the way. There's like, I think Mr. Hughes had a fucking bear hug. <laughs> Bam Bam had a bear hug. Yokozuna had a bear hug. And then Bam Bam and Brehart had a bear hug too as well. It was like, okay... Fuck enough of this bear hug shit. Like some someone has just said, leave, leave it to Hogan and Yoko for that, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought it was it was fine. I thought you know it was definitely a showcase for Bam Bam Bigelow. Um, it was kind of like this whole this whole show was like that Vince McMahon showing like, okay, we're definitely moving on to this quote unquote new generation, right? Like here's a Duggan, uh, uh, that Hogan era quote, you know, like like being like, you know. He's like a swan song, basically. Man, I'm sure he wrestled, you know, more. But, like, you know, basically, like, in the last one of his last bigger matches, I think. And, you know, Bam Bam beat him pretty damn clean. Um, you're right. Like, that spot, like, 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 you know, Duggan goes for his three-point stand clothesline, right? And, like, he just jumps and hits his head on the top turnbuckle. It just <laughs> looks so goofy. Like, if you're going for the clothesline, once you hit your ribs yeah. into the turnbuckles, come out, and, like, he's... First of all, Bam Bam's been working on ribs the whole match, right? It's yeah. only a four-minute match. Yeah. And then you do the headbutt. I thought that was kind of goofy, but I think maybe Duggan's like, well, I got, I got knocked out and protect myself a little bit. Eh. Bullshit. Le- Lex and Tatanka was a lot better than I remembered it. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I, didn't, I forgot about a lot of the stuff in this show, but then I was like... Oh, this is the match that goes to a draw because WWE tournaments always have a draw, so that the bad guy goes into the finals like really easily. And and I was like, okay, this is the draw. And there's one stupid thing in this match, which is <laughs> this neoprene wristband that Lex puts on his elbow is supposed to take away all of the power of the titanium forearm or whatever, right? Like it's so dumb. Uh, but the I, I thought the match was I thought the match was really fun and I'm watching this match and I'm going Lex is doing babyface stuff and it's kind of working. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Luger was uh, pretty popular with this crowd, and 
that they, you know, <laughs> I thought this match was really good too. And I thought they were, I thought they had a good chemistry together. Oh, I remember like, oh, man, I kind of want to see this program too. They never really wrestled again until later on next year. I think they did their program when the Taka turned heel and Luger um, about a year later. But it was it was good. It was solid. The only thing I didn't like about this match, I mean, the, the whole thing with the Elwood was stu- stupid and silly. But, like, the way they went into the finish with the time limit, like, it kind of just – I mean, the time limit came out of nowhere. But they were, like, when they were – they were doing nothing basically, right? It was like it wasn't that hot. They weren't building to anything. A big climactic finish with Tatanka making a big comeback and time's running out. Like I thought that was uh, poorly executed on their part, or maybe they didn't get the key from the ref in time. But like it was just very like blah. And I think that, that's what I remember about that match. I remember like it was good, but I remember like it ended kind of like blah. And it definitely, it definitely did again. So Brett and Perfect, uh, they were teasing. Uh, before who Brett wanted to face between Mr. Perfect and Mr. Hughes. And Brett was saying that, you know, he'd rather take the the wrestler than, you know, the brawler or whatever. And plus, you know, he liked Perfect a little bit better. And Mean Gene was getting in his ass about that statement. (laughs) He was just like, are you saying that Mr. Perfect is the easier man to beat here? And Brett's like... Well, well, that's not what I'm saying, and then and, and then so Brett and Perfect are going at it, and then it becomes about their dads, whose dad kicked whose dad's ass. It was so cool, uh, and Mean Gene was such a was such like a little little instigator. I, that, that that little piece of interview was so much fun with both of them, and then they have this match, which the psychology is so interesting here because you have two baby faces, obviously, but Mr. Perfect is heated. Because he just thinks that Brett thinks he's a walkthrough. And so he's a little fired up. And so he's starting to do a couple of heel things. And he kind of reminds you of the old Mr. Perfect in this match who, who was a heel. But he's not going like overboard, overboard. There's lots of teasing of countouts. Um, just the psychology overall in this match I thought was awesome. And, you know, Brett, Brett wins uh, again, not with his sharpshooter, but with outsmarting you know, the, the, the really smart wrestler and Brett comes out, you know, as like looking like he's like the smartest wrestler out there. Yeah. Yeah. He survived it. You know, like they took that big tumble, that, that crazy suplex to the floor, which I thought that was nuts. I remember rewinding that like over and over again after I saw that, cause I kept, I couldn't believe it, like what had just happened. Cause they, you know, and back then they'd always tease, the suplex to the floor, right? And the guy always goes back into, into the ring. And only a few times I remember, like, the guys going all the way over to the floor. And that, and that was probably one of the first times I saw it. And I was, like, just blown away. And I liked the finish. I thought the finish was cool. The small package, the inside cradle was a nice. It wasn't it was, it was an overly dramatic. I just kind of – it was, like, a kind of a perfect finish. Um, I thought perfect – you know, one baby face is always going to heal it up a little bit, right? Um, I, I like that the teases of the old Mr. Perfect. And this guy's had great chemistry, and the match is really good. And I remember, like, I remember when this match, like, I remember the tournament was announced. I was kept thinking, like, oh, I hope that'll be so cool to see that match again. But you kind of never thought it was going to happen because it's always, like, baby heel, right? Yeah. And so when he got it, I was like, wow. And, and, and they even and talked it, about the first match in the interview, which I thought was cool. Yeah, yeah, you know, because it just happened to, what a couple of years before that. Yeah, so, like like uh, almost two full years, but you know, like probably like twenty two months or something. 
Yeah, it was. I remember like I remember thinking like, wow, that was like one of the best matches of that year in 1993. As you know, I, I wasn't watching much other than basically WCW and uh, the, the WWF at the time. Maybe some other indie stuff that was on like also kind of a sports channel or whatever. But I just remember like being like, wow, man, I was like, well, that's going to win PWI match of the year. I was probably thinking that. <laughs> but yeah, it was a lot of fun. That was really good. And you know what? It also made me wonder. So. Flair is gonna leave. He's gonna go back to WCW the uh, the fall just the fall prior, and um, Brett is chosen as the guy to beat Flair and to be the champ. Uh, was I was wondering where Perfect was in that pecking order? I think we even talked about this when we first started doing the Raw stuff. Is because um, I mean he's. He's pretty. He's still really good, but I think Brett was rightfully the guy. But Perfect was probably right there. Oh, I mean, I can't remember exactly where he was in at that part in '92. But was he hurt? Like, what? Do you remember what he was doing? Well, he was still collecting that insurance, right? And so he was doing the uh, executive consultant gimmick with Flair as the second. You know, Bobby Heenan wasn't going on the road, and so they had Perfect right with him. And so he wasn't wrestling at the time. Oh, that's right, because of Survivor Series when yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but you know, then, but now, now, now he's like he's definitely below Brett. You know, a few steps below him, but uh, he's in a good position. So then we get Hogan and Yoko, and Hogan does this interview before the Yoko match. And I almost wondered, like, if they changed the finish after the interview, because the, the interview was all about, like, Hogan's going to win this match. Like, he's definitely winning, and, you know, he's doing a normal Hogan match here. I mean, Hogan uh, interview here. And I was, like, after I watched that interview, I was like, God, like, I was almost sure that he's winning this match. And obviously, he doesn't win the match. And it's really his last WWE match, right? Like, he doesn't have another match until he comes back in, like, uh, what, uh, 02? Yeah, I'm not sure if he did any house shows after this or anything, but it was definitely, in their own way, a burial. Like, they really, like, after the win of Yoko, they really start harping to how Yoko defeated him. I mean, the stuff with the photographer, that that cheesy makeup job and that, that... Photographer, I think it might have been Harvey Wilkman, if I'm not mistaken. But like, like the you know, the camera breaking and the, the light, the fireball hitting Hogan. I mean, that all happened to protect him and everything, give him an out. But like, they didn't really focus on that too much. It was you know, they did a little bit on the, the Raw the next night, but for the most part, it was like Yoko destroyed Hogan. Like, like look at that King of the Ring like replay commercial. You know what I mean? Like they just like just like, Yoko see witness. Destroyed American Hero, like, and then even at, and during that pay per view, they kept talking about how Yoko destroyed Hogan, how he defeated Hogan, you know, this and that. Like, yeah, it was uh, it was a good match too. I liked that match. You know, I thought it was uh, some good stuff and long. You know, he even took the bonsai drop at the end. You know, like you know, he took the leg drop for the pin. They got beat by his own move, and then he took the bonsai later on. And I was like, wow, man, Hogan really. <laughs> Hogan really, you know, give Hogan credit for doing that too, right? He could have been, he could have pulled a lot of stuff, but like, I think Vince is like, I'm pissed because you ruined my big SummerSlam event. <laughs> so we're definitely gonna, 
you know, out with the old name of the new with this one. And, and uh, but yeah, I thought that was fun. The crowd was going crazy for that match. So there's a couple things. Now, when we were talking about this match, Hogan wanted Tiger Hattori to be the referee so that the Japanese referee could do the heel finish and that could be Hogan's excuse. But it didn't go that way. Um, and they did the they did the photographer thing, um, who, according to that week's observer, um, he says it was apparently former WWF wrestler uh, from the original Orient Express, uh, Sato. Oh, goodness. yeah, 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 yeah. So that was that's kind of interesting because I I don't I don't think I realized that that that's who that actually was. But this whole weird, time. like, wouldn't you want to like have him? I mean, I don't think people would remember that because Oryx, Sato left like in the in the ninety. I know he came back and did some like six man tags, the Orange Express in ninety one. But like, I wonder if that audience would even recognize that was Sato from the Orient Express, right? Well, I, I mean, he was in like a fake beard and stuff, so probably the, the whole idea was probably not for anyone to know who it was. I guess and he did look. I know, I know Sato was the biggest guy, but this guy also looked very very skinny too and I know Sato you know was doing more like backstage stuff at the time but uh, to me I, th- I thought I always thought it was whip of him but you know definitely could be wrong on that but I remember like right away like when I, got, I saw that guy they did a good job and I rewatched it because I'm like oh, was, that stood out and mm-hmm. and like I remember when I first saw him like wait something looks up with that guy something's going on with that guy and then of course he jumps up and that old goofiness but I thought the match was good. You know, Zoki looked. I miss that guy. That guy was. That guy was so much fun to watch. They hit that big belly belly suplex. That was so awesome. So, originally, um, coming out of this show, the thought was that it was going to be Hogan and Yoko at SummerSlam. So it was like between the end of this show and the next week, where Hogan. Uh, decides that that he's not gonna be wrestling anymore. And in the following week's Observer, um, Meltzer doesn't even know who's gonna be uh, the guy. Like he he knows it's not gonna be Brett. He knows it's not gonna be Sean. You know Sean's obviously a, a heel, but um, he says uh, best guess is that one of the bigger heels will turn and represent the USA and slam Yoko a la the Mister Perfect turn when the company was in desperate shape uh, when Boyer and Davy Boy left. Um, so he didn't actually say Luger, even though he set you up to, to make it think like it could be Luger. Um, but, you know, Hogan was just uh, unhappy with, with where things were going. Uh, I'm sure, you know, the paydays in 1993 weren't as, as on fire as, as he was used to, because like we said, business is down. Um, and, and yeah, so, so he is... He is going to leave, though. After that show, it didn't. It that you know there was not talk of him um, leaving in the Observer from from that show. So we get to the next match, which is uh, uh, Steiners and Guns versus Head Shrinkers and Money Inc. But right before that, Sean does do the interview where he mentions who his bodyguard is uh, as Diesel, um, and then they go to we go to this match. And the thing that comes out of this match for me is just like Ted DiBiase is so good. Like I, I was like, man, why couldn't he be in the King of the Ring? Because he would have been awesome in the King of the Ring. But you know, he's also tag team champion. 
but he's just he's just bouncing around for all these guys and just amazing. Um, the gun, Billy Gunn wins with an inside cradle, but DiBiase is soon to leave as well. Like he's he's yeah. on his way out. Yeah, his last match is Summer Slam nineteen eighty three, I believe. So I mean the last big televised match, I believe. So and so uh, I think. Uh, I, I don't know the exact date, but Money Inc. is going to lose the titles to the Steiners, and I think it maybe did. Does that match on? Because I know it's not on Raw. Is it maybe on like Superstars or something? No, it's the house shows. They did like a flop, like a like they did one show where the Steiners beat them, and a few days later, Money Inc. regained it, and a few shows later, um, Steiners regained it again. Yeah, that, that was never on TV at all. So. Next match is uh, HPK and Crush, which I, I thought was interesting because you have this big guy out there in Diesel who's like his bodyguard, and he doesn't interfere at all. Like, he's just standing there, <laughs> and the, the interference comes from Crush, um, and the other interesting thing about this is Savage, and I don't know if he's thinking about this because he knows he's going to feud with Crush at some point, but he keeps hyping Crush as a guy who could body slam Yokozuna, and they hadn't even announced the the body slam challenge yet. But he he mentions it two times in this match that Crush is so strong that he could body slam Yokozuna. And I was just thinking the whole time, like, why is he so strong on this guy at on this show um, when he's going to lose because he gets he uh, do, he gets distracted by Doink. And then he takes a super kick in the back of the head, and he loses the match. Yeah, I think he's. Uh, I think he's just setting up that the body slam challenge. I think they already know what they're going to go with, you know, and that they made Vince is in the air. Maybe made Vince is in his ear at that point, saying, "Hey, make sure you put how, over how strong this guy is," and because he is one of the guys that, that goes out there in a few weeks and you know attempts to body slam yoga. I think he actually is one. Of one of the guys that was the most successful before Luger did it. Like, they, he even got, like, Yoko one leg up in the air kind of thing. And um, so maybe that's what they're just setting up. Maybe Vince is already, thinking, you know, obviously thinking ahead. So I thought the Sean was pretty amazing in his match, bumped his ass off, you know. I was, like, impressed by Crush in the beginning of it. I was like, wow, Crush gets Crush motivated here. And then, oh, yep. Well, you expected the guy's such a big guy, you know, and, like, he's not going to keep that pace for long. And, uh, but, you know, I thought, you know, it's a one-man show from Sean, definitely. And, and the finish was <laughs> distraction finish of the doinks coming out, all the dogs, like, was three of them or something like that, right? And, and like, the super kick, and then, like, even crushes a little, like, bop to the top turnbuckle, and I was like, oh, goodness, that was so goofy. <laughs> so we have the finale of the King of the Ring, uh, Bam Bam against Brett. And Brett, in his third match, is exhausted, obviously. Bam Bam only had to wrestle once. Um, and the crowd was sitting on their hands a little bit for the first half of this match, but it was almost all Brett selling. And Luna comes in and hits him in the chair, hits him with a chair in the back, and then Bam Bam hits the, uh, hits the headbutt and pins him. And at that point, you're like, oh, this is this can't be over because I know that Brett wins this match, but I didn't remember that part that that well, and I thought the referee overturning that was kind of weak. Like I don't, I, I mean, I, I I get the setting, you know, 
stacking everything against Brett and he's going to come back and win this match. But I would have rather them done it without. But then you're, I guess you're protecting Bam Bam here as well. Um, and then I just thought, you know, I just thought like great heel, great baby face. I wish WWE could do that today because Brett was just the perfect heel and Bam Bam was the perfect bully. And it just worked. The like, like, you know, first half of the match, not great. Second half of the match is great. And then, um, you know, Brett wins. Like we said, Savage comes out, uh, and, and, uh, Jer- and then, you know, he, 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 he's crowned and, and that's where they kick off the Jerry Lawler stuff. Yeah. The match, we'll go back to the match. The match was good. I mean, this is tough about tournaments and single night is that, you know, they saw Brett twice, three times, you know, twice earlier. Now they're seeing him for a third time. So. You know, it takes a little while. They set the nice little base and, and, you know, early on story of the match. And, you know, Bam Bam working on, you know, Brett's, you know, ribs and stuff because he's been through wars, you know. Bam, of course, is, is fresh from having a bye into the finals. Uh, but, yeah, I thought, I, I thought you know, I, I, forgot the, I forgot that Bam Bam pins him and they, in the reverse decision, they continued the match. And I, I was, I thought, I was, just like you, I thought they should have done that. I would like to see, like you know, Luna hits him with the chair, he gets back in the ring, Batman sets him up for that big headbutt, but misses, right? Like it's a long, dramatic climb to the top of the top of the rope, top rope, and he's going to do that big headbutt to finish him. But of course, you know, he misses. Brett makes a comeback and wins. Uh, but the match was great. They, those guys had really good matches together. Um, I think Brett really put him over strong in his book if I remember correctly and I I also saw that match too at the Sounds A tapings like in January they did like a, the main event I think it was like seven minutes but it was like really good and I was you know I'm such a big Banner fan and I like Bret Hart too so um, I'm glad I'm glad uh, I'm glad he got that spot because you know he's such a reliable guy you know Bam Bam you guarantee he's gonna have a good match and that's why he was putting that Lawrence Taylor spot with you know WrestleMania because you know he can carry a guy like Lawrence Taylor and then when he works a guy like Bret Hart, I mean, just some really good magic happens, and and then that angle at the end was great. I think the best thing like you know, you know, Lawler did as a as a as a, a wrestler in the WWF. Not you know, I remember. I just do you remember any kind of payoff to this program? Like I'm trying, I was trying to think. Like I know there's some cool build up and Bret talk, and Lawler talking shit about the parents and everything, and like I don't remember like a big blow off match. I thought the I thought. The, the foot, the kiss my foot match. Is that the blow off? That was I think. On that? I thought because I thought Brett shoved his foot in Lawler's mouth and then Lawler like pukes uh, or something. That was like me, like what a year, a year later though, right? Like ninety four, because because Brett Lawler gets well, he gets out, of, he gets in trouble with rape, rape uh, charge, right? Gets out of that though. He's replaced by Sean at Survivor Series, then he comes back. So maybe that's when it was. I just. I forgot about that kiss to foot match. And for some reason, I always thought it was Piper that was in that spot. But we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> so the the I don't I don't know if you if you caught this, but so Lawler when Lawler comes out, he says that Brett should kiss his foot, and then on Raw, he's basically telling the crowd that they should all kiss yeah. his feet. So that's definitely where they're heading. Yeah. So I guess it was. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, I remember not as good as once was what's but, uh, what's what's funny is 
my memory of 93 WWF is really bad because I wasn't watching consistently. I was probably watching a little bit more WCW at this point. But for whatever reason, I remember that match. But I honestly, I don't remember where it happens because like you said, um, the uh, so there, there's a weird thing that they do at SummerSlam where Brett faces Doink and then... Like then he faces Lawler like right after Doink or something. Yeah, because like Lawler is uh, fake in the injury with the cru- his knee and he had a crutch and Doink was his replacement. Brett beats Doink and also I think I think Lawler attacks Brett after the match and then ends up being like a little quick short match or I mean maybe like a not, like an unsanctioned match this time you know and then Brett like locks him into the sharpshooter and I think like a bunch of people all the agents are coming out pulling them apart you know trying to pull the Brett. Bret Hart off with the uh, sharpshooter, but you know, because all the build up, the you know, Lawler talking trash. Because we're coming up to it, like there's a great raw moment when Jerry Lawler is just doing like the best stand up comedy to roast to uh, the Hearts, you know, Helen the Stu Hart, which I thought was hilarious. I remember, I, like, I can't wait to see that episode again. So we lead uh, the the very next day is uh, the twenty first episode of Raw, <clears throat> and Fuji. Mr. Fuji wants to have a celebration in America on the 4th of July. <laughs> and so that's kind of the kickoff of the show. Uh, Heenan tells us later that what that celebration is, is going to be a body slam challenge. He, Cassina, Heenan walks off the show when the fans uh, won't, you know, won't stop chanting Burger King at Jerry Lawler. And so he's like, oh, I'm done with this. And he walks off. But then he just comes back just because he said, you know, he's got this breaking news. And that's when he that's when he says it's going to be a body slam challenge. So Mr. Perfect beats uh, our good friend L.A. Gore with a perfect plex. Nothing much going on here. Um, and, uh, the, you know, they're, they're really, really... Uh, hyping up the Razor Ramon and One Two Three Kid match the following week, uh, Razor comes out. He's got ten. He, he has he has the, it says ten thousand dollars on the bag. So when he comes <laughs> out, you know Vince is t- saying you know it's going to be ten thousand. He's like, oh yeah, if, if you could read, uh, you know you could see it. Just like when we were talking about when uh, uh, for Hogan and Beefcake. <clears throat> And, and, and they were thinking of the name, and, and Jimmy Hart's like, Mega Maniacs. And it's like, well, yeah, it's on your jacket, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Same thing here. So uh, so Vince is really going at Razor, though. He's, like, antagonizing him. He's just, like, all like all over him, you know, about the one, two, three kids. So it's kind of cool. And then Razor cuts his, you know, his normal, his normal, you know, solid interview at the end. Yeah, it was, it was a cool little segment. I, 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 thought, I love Vince in these these old Ross because he said he's such a ham and like and he's just like you know the one two three kid you know, <laughs> nudge nudge weekly let's chant this right yeah and uh, yeah, that, was, that was fun and then uh, you know and I, I get a kick of hearing Razor's accent you know his really poorly you know, done accent but it's just, it's just kind of funny to be hearing him do that stuff and uh, um, yeah and I thought and I, I think and I think uh, Sean Watman's great you know, in the middle of the show when he calls in, right? And I thought he was oh, really? ten thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was fun. So, uh, so Doink and Marty Jannetty happens on this show. So Doink goes under the ring and comes out the other side, and he's like squirting soda at the guys or something like on Vince and on Savage and on Heenan. 
I thought the match went a little long. Um, Heenan had a, a great line where he said Marty Jannetty was the only living brain donor. I, I popped at that one. Um, the the end of the match is actually pretty good, but you get three what a maneuvers from Vince in like a minute and a half. And this, he, I'm like, you just killed this this match. Like you just called what a maneuver three different times. Match goes to double count out. Uh, I you know I, I don't know exactly why this match was so long because I didn't think it was fantastic, but um, I thought the end was good. Yeah, no, I thought it was I thought it was a good match. Um, it did feel a little bit long. There was some cool stuff like the you know it's some interesting stuff like Matt Bourne is definitely a different style wrestler and the different things from what you see now. Like now it's a very like. You know, back and forth, boom, 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 like, 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 you know, big moves flow into another move. Like, like, this is definitely all, for the most part, calls in the ring, and it's they take the ball down to the guy. Yeah, it's it's not it's not smooth. I, I don't like that. So it's so fun. It's just enjoyed to watch these old matches and and how things are not as smooth. And and like they bump to the outside, it's big wild bump, and I think, oh man. And and all of a sudden, boom! Like Dunk's back on top again. Like just you know, beating the shit out of Marty Jannetty. And yeah, it was a good match. You know, I'm I'm trying to remember like when Doink leaves because I I don't think it's because I know he's at SummerSlam, so it's going to be a while. Like when not Doink the character leaves, but big you know uh, Matt Bourne when he eventually gets fired for you know all his problems and they replace him. So, uh, but I, I really like Matt Bourne. I think he's. He's such a good wrestler, and it really stands out in these matches. And and I remember like being like the Doink. I liked the Doink clown. At, you know, eventually I ended up liking him. But like, man, like I think he does a really good job of kind of like getting that character over. Yeah, like, explaining how great a wrestler he is, and he's just a nut, right? And then even Vince too. Vince like, what kind of man would be wearing this kind of outfit? You know? Yeah, like, it's just, he must be a sick show. And I think I think that character, man. Like, I wish that heel run was a little longer. Yeah, so uh, the next match is the one where the kid calls uh, on the phone. And, and that's really what the whole match is. is it's just, you're just listening to Vince talk to, to Waltman. And Owen Hart against Dan Dubiel. Do you know anything about Dan Dubiel? I don't know anything about Dan Dubiel, but I like him. <laughs> I thought, like, he showed some, uh, some good stuff. Uh, athletic. He bumped really well. Um, so I mean, everything was perfect. He seemed, you know, a little green here and there, but like he seemed like a nice little prospect, you know. And then he did a thing in the corner where he was giving, uh, he was on top of Owen and giving the crowd some shit. Like he seemed like he wasn't a deer in headlights out there, which I liked. So yeah, I thought he was a good, good, uh, good little prospect. I thought he did well. Then, you know, it was cool to see Owen and and even though he's wearing that crazy outfit, that high energy stuff still, but uh, <laughs> you know, Owen's so smooth and and all, and, you know, he's a lot of fun to watch too. Uh, so he wins with the drop kick off the top, and then a bridging suplex. What what did they call that move? His finisher? It wasn't it was it Norman Lights he went over with? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it was. I mean, be a Norman Lights suplex, but I don't know after what they called it. Yeah. yeah. I just remember that drop kick was nasty. Like not nasty, but like it just looked. It actually just pretty like he really executed and Brett and Owen did a lot of a lot of things well. So that, that spin wheel kick, like just always hit that so clean. Next segment was they replayed the uh the superstar segment with Taker and uh, Mr. Hughes. 
And so we're setting up something there. Full segment. Yeah, they played the whole thing from the beginning of the ring announcement. And then um, we, we did get to see a Lex Ico Pro commercial, which may be another sort of tease that he is he is uh, going to the babyface side. Um, and then Jerry the King Lawler against uh, our, our favorite most jacked jobber, Mark Thomas. That, that yeah. dude is legit just gigantic. Um, I thought it was cool because Lawler is actually wearing Bret Hart's colors in, 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 in this match. Like his, his singlet is, is uh, pink and his jacket was black and pink. I thought that was kind of cool. And, uh, you know, he beats Mark Thomas. Uh, DDT, which was a little interesting. I don't remember. Well, he did the DDT in the match, but he finished the pile driver. Yeah, fi- yeah finished with the pile driver, but he did did a DDT where I can't remember. I don't, I don't, I'm sure he's done it a, a lot, but I just didn't remember seeing him hit it. It looked a little weird. And then, obviously, the pile driver yeah. was sweet. Yeah, in Memphis, he did it a lot. Like, he would DDT a lot of people, like especially in that, like, 91, 92, like, I remember he just, like, grabbed people with DT, and I'm like, what the heck's going on here? And I was like, oh, is really illegal in uh, Memphis, so, um, yeah, this match was, it was, it was, just, it was good, and, you know, it was definitely a showcase for Jerry Lawler. This was taped before King of the Ring, because uh, you know, Lawler was running that same outfit he did for that King of the King's Court, and so I think, that, I'm pretty sure this is the, you know, old, you know, before King of the Ring, so that a lot of the stuff that, you know, they're talking was a lot of voiceover stuff, um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, like I said, we talked about the King's Court. Like, there's definitely some foreshadowing there. With that's uh, so that was great with like Lawler in the full on Bret Hart colors, right? Mm-hmm. The pink and the black, and you know, it's cool to see any word out again at this match. And of course, they talked about it. Um, I thought it was okay. I was hoping Mark Thomas got a little extra. Honestly, I thought you know, I thought I would like to see a little more from Mark Thomas. You know, I thought it. You know, he got a nice shot to the gut, and I thought like he was gonna get a little, a little something, but then like <laughs> all of a sudden, Law just cuts him off again. I'm like, ah, oh, man, he got a little something at the end, but it, it was, you know, it was fine. It was fine. It was good. It was def- definitely a showcase to get the Burger King stuff over. And Lawler's a master, man. He's just a master out there working that crowd. Like he had that crowd in his hand. Absolutely. He's. I mean, he's getting the most heat out of anyone on that show. Yeah, that's what I'm like thinking. Like, I'm thinking like I'm trying to remember this this program with Brett. Like, I think what happened was with that, that that rate charge in the fall really killed some momentum with that program. I think that's what that's why I'm having that. Like, I'm forgetting a lot of stuff because it was just remember remember he was supposed to be Spire Series and build it to big the Hart Brothers versus Lawler and his Knights and then being Shawn Michaels and his Knights, which is was was is just a, a goofy thing, but. So they are back in Poughkeepsie for the next show, and they have Doink against Marty, two out of three falls, and then they are teasing the one, two, three kid against Razor Ramon. Yeah. Um, th- you know this this show was definitely a, a, a show that was following a big show that they, you know they, they didn't. They're not hyping anything yet because there's nothing to hype. Survivor Series isn't for another. Two and a half well, months or whatever. I mean, so, SummerSlam, two and a half months. Yeah. Well, they're not hyping the, a pay per view or anything, but they are definitely gearing up for this Body Slam challenge. Right, that's like the big thing coming up, right? And like, I remember, like, I, looking back, I remember, I remember thinking, like, what the hell is this? 
Yeah, <laughs> like, oh yeah. Gonna have, are they gonna show it? Like, I was right. kinda, like, I was, exactly. How I get to watch it, right? And like, they never said like. Well, at the time, you know, Bobby Heenan says there's gonna be a bodies in the channels, but there's no location. It's just gonna be at some like you know historic, uh, you know, you know, U.S. landmark, right? So they haven't said anything about the USS Intrepid, right? So, um, so that was like the big thing. I remember as, I remember as a kid, like, be like, I want to see it. Who's gonna body slam him? Is it gonna be Hogan gonna go back out? Yeah, yeah. And, yep. and, I, and I, was, I remember that, and and then they replay, they replayed it for like a million times after that. It was a hip talk. <laughs> uh yeah that th- this upcoming uh back half of 93 i almost have no recollection of it because i was out at once hogan was done i was out as a wwf fan because i was such a big hogan guy and i was like okay they sucked me back in for wrestlemania uh you know and king of the ring now he's gone i'm out like i'm not really i'm not really that fired up uh, I mean, but I did, I, you know, I did watch Survivor Series. I watched, uh, I watched SummerSlam, but I just wasn't watching the weekly TV like I, 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 I had used to been watching. So this is going to be fun for me because I don't remember the weekly stuff, even if I remember, you know, the the, the main stuff in the pay per view. So I, I'm pr- I'm pretty excited to go through this stuff again. Yeah, like like even like next week, like I don't remember, I don't remember like. Two out of three falls, Dwayne and Mario Gennetti. You know, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that match. I do remember the kid and Razor and that finish, though. I do remember that. Yeah. So, is there any, any anything else that you were kind of keeping up with this week that you wanted to bring up? Um, I was just watching a few things. Uh, I watched, uh, you know, I subscribed to the All Japan channel, and I watched the uh, June 18th show with Corkin. Um, it was a very, emo- I knew it was going to be an emotional show because it was, you know, Aoki just passed away on the motorcycle accident tragically. And, and, um, so they, in the main event, they put, you know, uh, his tag partner, Hikaru Sato versus Isuki Okada, who was like, you know, one of the students and stable mate, the young gun, their stable mate. And they put them in the main event position and it was probably one of the most emotional matches I've watched in a very long time you know when this reality comes into our fake world of pro wrestling right and you have Yasuki coming out and tears in his eyes mm-hmm. I mean like really like sobbing to his entrance Hikaru comes out he has, a, he has like a you know like a like a bandana around his face but you can see his eyes just like just he's, he's crying um, they get in the ring and you, you know Isuki Okada is just like, his lips are trembling, you know, and they start, they do a lot of crowd shots and the women, a lot of women and men crying, you know, before this match starts. I'm like tearing up, you know, because it's just like a, it's a sad thing and a tragic thing and they have a really good match and it was, uh, you know, nice technical wrestling match, you know, definitely beat that, a match that Aoki would appreciate and love. And, you know, Yusuke, you know, Okada, like, you know, Sato's, you know, beating the shit out of him. He kept trying to, you know, tap him out to the double wrist lock. And and he kept going over and over and he wouldn't quit. He wouldn't quit. It's like he was channeling the, you know, the energy and the fighting spirit of Aoki. And eventually he's come to the submission hold. But, um, you know, it was a a good match, you know. Um, If I'm just, you know, taking out the emotion out of it, just... 
rating the match. Like I gave it three and a half stars. Um, but you know, it was all about the stuff afterwards, the emotion, the drama, um, the crowd, um, you know, they did this great ceremony at the end with all the members of the group evolution. And you know, they had this picture and the, and the blue, um, streamers all came in and, I don't, I don't speak Japanese, but Carlos Santos promo was just like, I'm like tearing up. I don't know what he's saying, but I know he's like, you know, just just pouring his heart out of there. And, and the, you know, more crowd shots with the fans crying. It's just, a, it was a sad, sad thing, but I think it also helped those guys heal a lot, you know. So, and those fans heal too. And then they did the, you know, played his music and the ring announcer announced him because he's still the, you know, even though he's passed, he's still they're, they're gonna let him be the All Japan Junior Champion until November, and that's when they'll strip him. And um, yeah, they announced him as champion and, and had his music play. So it was definitely just something to see and, and witness. And and I'm glad I did. I was watching at work, and I'm, I have a there's an area at work where it's very private. And I'm like glad because I'm like trying to like fight back the tears, and no one sees me crying. No way, you know, it's just a sad thing. But yeah, that's what I watched recently. The only thing I forgot to mention about the end of the Raw is um, Men on a Mission are coming soon. And um, the Mountie is is, is, is going to be... I, I, I think he's going to be on one of the next upcoming shows. I, uh, so at least he was at the taping. So maybe maybe they didn't use him or, or whatever. But that that's what Dave was... Uh, Prepare that. That's what Dave was teasing for. Uh, but for end up being the end up being the Quebecers, right? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they 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 show up. I think after SummerSlam, maybe or before. I, I will find out. But uh, I remember the Quebecers. I I actually like the Quebecers. I mean, I wasn't a big fan of the Mountie gimmick, but the Quebecers I dug. I, I dug Pierre, who's still wrestling and damn near killing. <laughs> PCO baby, um, crazy. Okay, so so like I said, we are gonna miss next week, so you'll have a week off, uh, and um, we will be back the following week with, gosh, we'll we'll be able to, um, so the following week it we'll be able to talk about, I think Fighter Fest is uh, is gonna be not this weekend, but next weekend. So yeah, when we come back, show, yeah. so when we come back on Wednesday, we'll be able to talk about Fighter Fest, and we'll be able to, uh, we'll be able to kind of preview the uh, the G one that will happen that following weekend, um, and then you know other stuff as well. Uh, there's there's uh, Fight Week is uh, is coming for the UFC International Fight Week, so we'll be able to talk about some of those fights and and all that. So uh, so yeah, so we'll be back in two weeks from either probably two weeks from yesterday whenever you're listening to this so um yeah so for john i am double g we will see you when we see you peace out